Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here today with David Henderson. Hi, everyone. Um, Today we are here to discuss David's sermon from this past Sunday, uh, Jesus, the Source of Life, from John chapter 4, verses 43 through all of chapter 5. I didn't put down an ending verse. (laughs) Yes, I think it's 47. uh, Someone said in our community group on Sunday morning, I don't know that there's ever been a sermon preached on this many verses before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's probably some truth to that. Although I think I did preach on the entire book of Jonah one time. Oh, really? That is is quite quite the... uh... Just because, yeah, I don't know that I read every verse in it, but just because the the whole book has a kind of right. a single message and um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The goal was not to preach on the, the largest number of verses possible. Actually, <laughs> and actually um, th- this would, might be a, a, just a good time to mention that um, why we did that. And that um, after this series is going to take us through, kind of pick up where we left off and take us through all these self-revelatory statements of Jesus, where mm-hmm. he opens up these different metaphors and pictures of who he is, continues to do that all the way through chapter 11. And then that's the start of the events of Holy Week. But we're going to pause there mm. when we get to like the first of March or end of February. And then we're going to take a lengthy time to walk through the upper room discourse, the chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, where Jesus has okay. this amazing conversation it all happens around in one night sitting around the table as Jesus is getting ready to say goodbyes to his disciples the next day. And we don't want to just, normally it just kind of gets crammed somewhere into Holy Week and, and we get, we lose the opportunity to open it up. So we're going to take Mm -hmm. an extended time about six weeks to walk through those chapters. And Mm -hmm. then, then we're going to go back to 12 and walk through the events of Jesus's last week of life. And uh, so it's kind of a way to follow along in the liturgical calendar, but also thematically with what's going on in John. Hence mm-hmm. our kind of rushing through some of these early things, looking at the, the meta themes rather than right. the than specific the, details. Right. The specific details. Well, which, you know, both approaches are helpful, right? Because in the detail, we see God in the details, we see God in the big picture. And, you know, one of the things that has kind of been a reoccurring theme, um, well, at least I'm saying that I realize, oh, this is only the second sermon in the series, (laughs) but it's, it's that, um, you know, it's easy to read like just the section in the Bible with the heading, right. And not connect it with what happened before or what's coming after. And so that, that's one of the things that I appreciate about, uh, the sermon series so far is that it's been, okay, we need to look back here and we need to look forward and here's mm-hmm. what's happening kind of in the big picture. Yep. Um, so I and- still, re- I still remember hearing Gordon McDonald. Uh, this is when I was in seminary and uh, this is before his affair. And he was somebody who I uh, really had profound respect for. 
And uh, I remember him saying, he came to Gordon Conwell to where I was in seminary. And he said, my greatest failure as a pastor is that I have studied the Bible for my congregation instead mm-hmm. of teaching how to them how to study the Bible with me. And that has mm-hmm. stuck with me. And so part of why I do kind of an inductive approach so often is I want to keep modeling in whatever way I'm able to do that, how we might approach a passage of scripture. And that was obviously very much what was going on mm. uh, this, this past Sunday, where I said, mm-hmm. all right, let's just read every verse in, in this whole section. And let's yeah. just notice clues as we do the Sherlockian thing as we go along and notice, huh, that's interesting. Huh, that's kind of out of place. Huh, that's re- a repeated theme. And then to see how the pieces can be fit back together. So trying to give opportunity where it's not just me saying, well, this is what it means. This is what we should do with it. But Mm -hmm. to to let us as a congregation be doing that grappling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Together. And, and, And that's so important because then on Monday morning or Friday morning, as I'm opening my Bible, I'm not thinking, what does David say about this? Right. Amen to that. I'm thinking, what does the Holy Spirit want me to 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 learn through this passage? <laughs> yes, I love that one of my favorite, and we've talked about this before, but one of my favorite passages is about the Berean church, where it says that Paul would mm. preach, and then it says that the, uh, the Berean church would receive Paul's teaching with great eagerness, and then they would go, and this they would have to have gone to the scriptures where the only copy, or to the synagogue where the only copy of the scriptures was kept they would go and study the scriptures for themselves to see if what this guy said was true Mm, and yeah you know um i i love when people are doing their own investigative work as i'm preaching so Mm -hmm. my sermon becomes a prompt for that work rather than just me saying here yeah which is why i don't preach a fill-in-the-blank sermon outline right okay what's the answer well yeah um, (laughs) yeah yeah well, one of the things I appreciated about this sermon is your definition of mystery. Like, it's mm. not something I had ever really thought of. Mm. I mean, if I had thought really deeply about it, I would be like, oh, that makes sense. It's a puzzle. There's a difference between a puzzle and a mystery. But yep. you bringing that up to the fore at the beginning of the sermon just really helped me to realize mm. I, I, you know, that's a super helpful dis- um differentiation mm. between puzzle and mystery. Cause when I'm talking with, you know, I've, I've had conversations with people about the mystery of God and there, and, and then I'm realizing now in hindsight, they think that's a puzzle to solve. Yes. yes. So it's just, it's giving me words to have conversation, those conversations again. Yeah. And, and I think it really adjusts our whole posture towards a number of different things. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things that I think um, that I absolutely celebrate and affirm as an evangelical is that we have this, this Bible that we can have complete confidence in every respect is the truth. Mm-hmm. And anywhere we turn, it gives us the truth. But then we can fall into the subtle temptation to think this is all there is to be said about God, that when we know this, we know him. And, and, and then we have the sense of, well, yeah, I've already gotten to know that. Or I'm already familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Instead of, uh, which is a puzzle way of thinking about God, instead mm-hmm. of a mystery way where every time I read it, I'm discovering something new and feeling like I'm just getting started. I don't know how many times I've read through the Bible, 40 times or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, 
And here I am just, just this week, there were like four different things that I came across in scripture is going, I've never seen that before. I never mm. thought about that in that way before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're so moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, Gregory Treverton, I think, is the one who points out the distinction between puzzle and mystery. I came across in the book about curiosity and mm-hmm. uh, found it to be a really helpful distinction. Yeah. 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 And so the point, you know, so when we talk about the mystery of God or the mystery of Jesus, it, it, it is the goal is to grow in awe, grow in wonder, grow in worship, to go to our Bible and say, I've read this passage 10, 20, 30 times before. And God, I know you've got something in here that I haven't seen yet. Yes. Um, so, yes. so then that's exactly right. And so yeah. if I could just, I'm just mm-hmm. interrupting your, your no, thoughts. Sorry. Cool. Um, so the other extreme from the evangelical side might be kind of a, a very liberal perspective. It says, ah, you know, how much of this is really truth or how much can we really mm. know? Or it's all mystery. This kind of drift towards this agnostic. Well, I'm not really sure about anything. Everything we say about God is kind of speculative or mm-hmm. is, is just our own small version that inevitably is a false view of God. And somehow I think the truth is, is in the tension between those things. So we, what each thing that we discover about God is, is true and is, is important. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't remove the mystery of God, but it adds clarity to who God is. But God mm-hmm. can be both mystery and clarity at the same time. And that's the gift of the scripture with this infinite being who created all that is and sustains mm-hmm. it all and, mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. And once again, we're in the tension. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, we're in yeah, the there tension. we are. Yeah, right. There we are in the middle. Um, yeah. So going to John chapter four and five, um, we're, we're following Jesus coming from Jerusalem, going to Samaria or going from through Samaria to Galilee. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, um, I wrote down in my notes that I thought oh, that's so true is that you know, Jesus has these encounters with the Samaritan woman, with the government official, and with this, with this man in, in Jerusalem, you know, he's back in Jerusalem then, um, who was an invalid, who was unclean. Jesus has interactions with all three of these people who the Jewish leaders would consider outsiders, yep. and he treats them as insiders. Yes. And then he has these interactions with the Pharisees, and they are insiders who are treating Jesus as an outsider. Yeah. Yes. I, I thought when I when I framed it in that way, I thought this really is the heart of what's going on in this passage, and which is what led me to kind of fit together. You know, here's this comment about a sign up front mm-hmm. that is coupled with this comment about a prophet not being welcome in his home, own hometown. It's like, huh, that's interesting, and that's interesting. And then you go along and you see this dynamic that's set up between these three people who don't seem that they have a place and, and then these, um, but do. And then these other people who seem they should have a place, but they don't. And, and Jesus, they don't have a place for Jesus. And, mm. um, yeah. And so that, yeah, it does feel like it's there that the whole passage pivots. 
It really does. And it's the, and then you followed that up very quickly and you kind of alluded to this with a statement that Jesus is prepared to receive all who are ready to receive him yet not all who should receive him do, which kind of goes to this whole spiritual credential idea. Like, you know, the Pharisees, you know, their spiritual credentials, you know, if you think about Paul and the list he gives in one of his epistles, it's just like, it's just like unrolling a scroll. Look at my resume. (laughs) Right. right. You know? Yeah. And And then he says, that's all worthless. None of that counts. None of it counts because it's not my spiritual credentials that count. It's Jesus's spiritual credentials. Right. And then that just throws us. I remember one time I walked behind an airplane. This is so very young. This is a long time ago before they made things a lot safer. I walked behind a jet at Port Columbus Airport and uh, the it started up its jet engines. And my brother and I got knocked off our feet and shoved along the concrete. You... You suddenly you, that's what happens then when you, when you see what's really going on. So it's what are Jesus's credentials? Well, I'm, I'm equal to God. (laughs) What? What? Yeah. What? (laughs) Um, And and I think that's all that's going on in the, the, I mean, the basic one sentence summary of John chapter one, starting in verse 19 and John the last verse in John chapter 11 is Jesus saying, yep, that stuff in the first 18 verses, that's, yeah, that's all what's true about me. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, that's me. In him was life, that's me. And that life was the light of men, that's me. No, I came to my own from outside and my own didn't recognize me, but to those who did, who believed in my name, to them, I gave the right to become children mm. of God. You know, mm. I, I think... I mean, that's why I went to the place of talking about mystery. It, we just slam up against mind-boggling mystery when we think about that. Mm. Oh, yeah. I was telling Rob last week, um, I, I had read a devotion about um, Jesus coming to earth as the infant, right? It, it was the wrap-up of Christmas and how he had to empty himself. And, and the context was like this, he, the, the person writing the devotion said there, there must've, he must've emptied himself of some huge spiritual gravity. You know, like we live with the gravity, you know, the weight of gravity and we don't notice it, but Jesus must've emptied himself of spiritual gravity in order to be approachable to us. And as I've been you know, in my, I'm in Bible study fellowship and we're doing Matthew. And then here we are on Sundays working our way through John. I'm just seeing like, even if Jesus did empty himself of spiritual gravity so that he didn't scorch us like the sun or suck us in like a black hole, like he is still so weighty in human form. Yes. 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 And what's what all the more underlines all of that is the Hebrew word for glory is kavoth, which means weightiness or gravity. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jesus empties himself of his glory, his gravity. And then still, as he himself says, people see him and they see the gravity, the glory, the weightiness of God in him. Um, it, it is 
um, eclipsed, but it's not removed from who he is. And he still shines so brightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So it's, you know, this goes back to um, kind of an earlier, this is just kind of pastoral reflection. You know, what's the, what's the goal of a sermon? Um, you know, I'll have people come and say, could you please just tell me what to do? <laughs> could you just give me a list of things <laughs> to do this week? And, and I can appreciate that desire for just practical guidance. And I get that. We want to be able to translate our faith into our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not belittling that. At the same time, I think that may be a, an atrophied understanding of the point of a sermon. And I think sometimes the point of a sermon is to get us to stand right behind the jet engine until the pilot can flip on the switch and we can get knocked off our feet. Mm-hmm. Sermon done. It's just to be knocked flat by who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's what I think we're trying to accomplish during, because I think that's what John's trying to accomplish. He says, this whole book is written to get you to believe, to put your trust, your confidence in Jesus. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of how he do, does it, is he just mm-hmm. keeps widening, deepening, unfolding our view of who Jesus is. Yes. Yes, he does. And it's just, um, yeah, I do. I do feel a little bit flattened by it. You know, I'm just thinking about, you know, Jesus standing up in the courtyard saying in the quiet in front of hundreds of people, I am, you know, come to me for living water for the waters of life, you know, and then Next, this Sunday, we're going to be talking about the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And whoever is, you know, if you come to me, you will not go hungry. And, and it's, you know, as I, as I think about those statements, um, it just, I don't know, it just, it just feel, they feel like so they're so striking and confident even 2000 years later. And I wasn't at that, at there in that moment. Yeah. I just think, how could I not believe? Mm. How could I not believe he's, he, he speaks with such authority, even from the pages of scripture. Yes. And then we come back to, the sobering significance of the sign that mm-hmm. all who are prepared to receive him, he is prepared to receive, mm-hmm. but not all who should receive him do those who you would think would be the most prepared. You know, I think mm-hmm. sometimes we can equate being a churchgoer with being a follower of Christ. We just kind of a blur a blurred assumption that if you're this, you're a this. And I think mm-hmm. in, Jesus is exposing in this passage, you know, it, it is not our spiritual credentials. It's my having gone to church all my life. That doesn't put me in good standing with God at all. It could, right. If, right. if it is, if it's building upon a faith that I have put in Jesus, but um, somehow again, it's now we shift from the mystery of who God is and the mystery of who Jesus is to the mystery of the nature of faith, where at the mm. very same time, I am presented with overwhelming evidence of who Jesus is. And, and in that, at the end of the sermon, I walk through these five different credentials that support mm-hmm. these claims that Jesus is making. John the Baptist saying, behold, the Lamb of God, the teachings of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the uh, direct supernatural mm-hmm. revelation that God makes that this is my son 
um, whom I love, believe him. And then the evidence of scriptures and all of that, Jesus points to all of that, this overwhelming pile of credentials. And then here's this split, like uh, Urzhans von Balthasar says, it, everywhere Jesus goes in the gospels, people either fall on their knees and worship him or they pick up stones to throw at him. And, mm -hmm. and that's the mystery of that faith is not the same thing as an equation of proof plus proof plus proof equals belief. There's, there's that around that equal mm -hmm. sign, there's something else that has to be the work of God on the inside of us. And, mm -hmm. Yes. And yes. Hmm. And I mean, I think one of the things that I wrote down from my dis our discussion on Sunday morning in our community group was, um, you know, as Jesus engaged with these people, the Samaritan, the government official, the, the invalid at the pool of Bethsaida, um, they engaged with him. They were willing to engage with him. And so then my question becomes, am I willing to engage with Jesus and all that means, right? right? And, and they you know. engage with Jesus on the basis of their desperation and their need, where mm -hmm. this, this spiritual leaders engage with Jesus on the basis of their own credentials and their own brilliance and their own scrutiny and uh, their own intelligence and their own, hmm. um, my, I've, I don't have any needs. Uh, I, I bring no desperation to you, Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, you are just the object of my scrutiny, not yeah. the object of my desperate hunger and thirst. And I have power and I yeah. don't need you. Right? <laughs> right. And these other three people are like, I, I, we are powerless. Yes, that's exactly right. We are the definition of powerless, even though the government official did have power. Exactly. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He realized the limits of his power. Yeah. So for us to come to the end of this service and come out of this message with a song where we're singing, Lord, I need you. Mm -hmm. Every hour I need you. Like, wow, that's perfect. That um, Travis does such a great job of crafting services thematically that fit with kind of what leads into the sermon, what comes out of it. And this was another great example of that. Um, yeah. And I think that really is the, what do I do with this? I fall flat on Jesus on my face before Jesus and say, I, I bring all of my need to you mm -hmm. and, and I open all of my heart to you. Amen. And I think that's a great place to end. I need all you, right. Jesus. And I bring you all of it, all of me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, David, for joining me today. Always a joy. And thank you to our audience for joining us, whether you are live on Facebook or whether you um, watched later on our blog or uh, listened on our podcast. We are thankful that you took time to, to be with us today. And we will see you next week. Thanks, Michelle. Bye, Bye y'all. Great to be with you.